to Staging a Podcast. This is John Schick. This week I'm going to be talking to Alad Mezrahi from Gear Ant Pedals. Uh, so what's going on, Alad? Uh, nothing much, you know, just enjoying the week. Uh, you know, about to head out to some guitar stores. Just, uh, you know, having fun. So are you going for fun or are you going to try and uh, do some marketing? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, they invited me over uh, just to, you know, do some YouTube videos and TikTok or whatever the kids do these days. And, uh, yeah, and I, I thought I would bring some of my pedals over and, uh, you know, have some fun with them. I mean, that's, right that's I do it, to be honest, you know, just to have fun. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, the, the overall of you know, what we're trying to do with not only, you know, content creation, but build, building pedals, playing guitar. What got you into playing and building in the first place? Uh, I've told this story before, actually. Um, about two years ago, I realized what was the um, the moment that got me into guitar. And I remember, um, I'm a little younger than you are. I remember when I was a kid, I went to see a movie called Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And and the final scene, they're just like shredding, and that song got me into wanting to play guitar. Uh, later, I found out it was actually Steve Vai who uh, who was playing there. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. since then, I've been I've been addicted. Um, actually, no, that's that's false. I um, I wanted to play. I didn't actually pick up a guitar until I was about eighteen, so pretty late. Um, and then I, you know, I went to the school. I went to the private lessons and whatever, and I took it from there. That's funny because I got into uh, playing myself due to a movie, but yeah, it was uh, probably about five years before that. <laughs> before oh yeah, what was it? A uh, bogus journey, uh, La Bamba. Okay. Yeah, and um, you know, still to this day, I love like early rock and roll. So, I mean, I guess. It helped. It helped build, you know, my musical taste a little bit. So, yeah, my taste is um, lately. It's been kind of all over the place, to be honest. Um, it just it just varies completely. Like one day I'd want to listen to you know thrash, and the next day I want to listen to eighties pop. It's kind of weird, but uh, you know, I guess variation is a good thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you know, I I do the same thing. Like, if if you've seen some of the playlists I have, they go from you know one side of the spectrum to the other. You know, I could be I could be listening to classic country and then move to like '90s hip hop. So yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. So, um, how long ago did you start the company? Uh, actually, Gearant's been around since 2014, but uh, initially it wasn't. Uh, anything guitar related i uh in i think in 2019 yeah 2019 i decided that i wanted to um i was building pedals then and um i realized that all the guys that do the diy stuff um i'm not bashing them but their stuff you know was diy right and i wanted to make nicer enclosures for people to be able to purchase custom stuff and uh and that's when i got the idea to start the company and uh then eventually i 
went on to make my own pedals and design my own circuits. And uh, yeah, that's where we're at right now. So I, I guess yeah, from 2019. Okay. So yeah, from, from the looks of it, I'm on, I'm on the website now and I see, you know, the sold out stuff, but it, you know, it looks like later in the, or well, later in the page, but you started doing like mods to the, uh, the enclosures that were already out there. Like I see you got the bad monkey, you got the couple of the, uh, oh, yeah, the, 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 the refinishes. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I also refinished some stuff. I'm actually working on a, on a duelist right now that uh customer wanted to change up and make a kind of japanese thing you know that's that's why i do it It, it's never boring every time customers they come to me and they say oh you know i like i like this uh design that you do but can we do it this way or you know we collaborate and and have some Mm -hmm. fun with it that's what keeps it interesting you know it's not the same old every day i remember um will will from uh uh, you know well from just surprise me uh podcast he reached out to me and said hey you know i'm making a th- a horror themed board and uh he and i just had an idea of you know making a blood splatter on a boss sd1 and uh and i took it <laughs> a couple steps too far uh to say the least but it, i mean i think that was that was so cool i'll sh- i'll send you a picture of it afterwards but uh i that was probably the most fun i had uh making a refinish yeah that's on that sounds fun i can't wait to see that one uh i'm big horror fan myself so um i might even message will and ask to see that whole board if he's still got a picture uh <laughs> honestly honestly i don't think he he ever finished a board oh. so i mean you got to check with him but from last time I spoke yeah. to him, he said he didn't even put it together yet. Uh, well, I'll, yeah, I'll send him a message, and we'll see. So um, right now, the the pedal that you just had come out is the Yellow Jacket, right? Correct. And that's um, like your take on the uh, the DoD two hundred and fifty and the uh, Distortion Plus. Correct. Yeah, uh, that's always been my favorite uh, Distortion pedal. Um, I think it was because of Tom, because Tom Morello kind of used it to push his uh, Marshall stack. And, uh, you know, that was a big rage. I still am a big Rage Against the Machine uh, fan. And, you know, I like the weird noises and everything he does. Um, So I kind of grew up on that sound. And, uh, you know, I decided to do my own thing. Well, it actually evolved into its own thing. Uh, Initially, I had a distortion plus and a 250 on my board and I always used to stack them and I needed the space on my board. So I said, you know what, let me just build a dual pedal for this purpose. And then it kind of grew from there and became its own thing. And I, it's really heavily modified uh, version of it. Yeah. It looks really cool. Um, so on the, uh, on the, on the right side of the pedal, I'm assuming because with the, uh, the knobs being the uh, gold knobs or yellow knobs, that uh, that side's the distortion plus, and then it goes in to push the gray box? Yes, yes. I was going to put an order switcher on it, uh, but they're so similar that it, it just seems redundant to do uh, something like that. So, you know, I decided against it. Plus, I really want, I wanted, you know, don't get me wrong. 
there are amazing pedals out there that have so many options like the chase bliss stuff there are so many knobs so many switches so many dip switches uh, but i wanted something that you could just set and 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 just play you know and kind of stop spending time noodling around with the with the um with the knobs and start noodling around with your guitar instead yeah that makes sense being being a pedal dude i i can tell you there's so many times where i just sit there and it's like oh i can turn knobs turn knobs turn knobs and then you know an hour's gone by and my time's up and i haven't barely even strummed on the guitar yep that's exactly Um, what i was trying to avoid stuff like that's nice you know or um I think I seen uh, in some of your pictures here that you you've done single knob stuff like your eight uh, bit octave down. Oh yeah, that was a fun one. But again, those are all one offs. Those are those are the the my company. Uh, it, it, it's not. I don't do it to to make millions. I don't think any pedal builder really does it to make millions. To be honest, you know, we we do it because it's fun. We do it because it's our passion. And uh, most of my pedals that you'll see are just one-offs that you'll never see again. So, you know, if you if you follow me on Instagram and you see something you like, you better reach out to me quickly because I'm likely not going to do it again. Nice. Yeah. See, that, that's pretty cool. You know, I don't, um, you know, other than podcasting, I don't have a hobby where it's it's like that, you know, just make this one painting and send it out to the world or anything. So, well, I guess uh, I do photography too. And that, I don't know, that's kind of a different story because I'm not making prints. I'm putting stuff. I just post stuff on the internet. So what do you mean? What's wrong with that? Well, um, it's just that uh, like you're saying the one-off thing, you know, it's, it's not like I'm printing printing one going out to you know going out to the farmers market or whatever and saying here's my stuff this is a one of one and and selling it you know well I, I guess it's, it's a, a bit little... different with with prints because you could print more and more and more right but uh, with with my stuff it's it's physical stuff it's you know you can't really compare the two but I mean your your photography definitely sounds like a hobby to me. So yeah, yeah, and it, uh, I've I've fallen out of it a little bit. I'm hoping to get back into it now. That the weather's getting good again, but yeah. we'll see. So, um, do you make your own enclosures, or do you do you source? So, them out? um, the you made the physical box. Yeah, yeah, the box. Uh, well, it depends if I if I use uh, if I do my uh, DIY stuff. Generally speaking, I buy them uh, overseas, and I bring them in in batches, you know. I also sometimes use Gorva enclosures. I don't know if you're aware of that company, but, you know, they're just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, But for the Yellow Jacket, I actually made it myself. The uh, Yellow Jackets are 2-millimeter Cold World Steel uh, bent enclosures. And I had that, I made it, and then I had it custom-made for me um, by a metal fabricator. Okay, that sounds like a uh, pretty heavy duty then. Yeah, I put a lot of thought into the pedal. 
you know it, it was about a year in the making so oh wow yeah yeah now i know one thing i see that i personally myself enjoy is the uh top loaded jacks yeah you know well um, i mean it's not a deal breaker for me that uh the top loader jack thing you know mxr for example mxr all their right. stuff is side loaded but they make such amazing pedals that you kind of it, it doesn't matter yeah it would be nice if it were top loaded but uh it's not a huge deal yeah and you know i i have both i've you know mxr you get the boss things like that it just uh I use uh, pedal train pedal boards, so mm-hmm. just just the convenience of you know I can set the board there and put the uh, put the cables straight underneath the uh, through the holes and underneath. Yeah, you know, makes makes that a little bit easier. Like because I've got some some of my side loaded stuff, I have to like run it partially across the board before I can send it down. And yeah, you know I. Uh, I generally, instead of going right to left, I kind of go in a zigzag, uh, depending on the pedal, obviously, but it makes it much easier to route the cables that way, in my opinion, underneath the board. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see, I haven't tried doing that. I've always gone right to left and then, you know. And then up and, and then over for the right. second. Yeah. So, huh. Yeah, maybe I'll... Uh, spend some time tearing tearing one of the boards apart and and do a little bit of that because i mean it'd be it'd be interesting like you know because my whole bottom is mostly drives so like to have drives just on the right and then have modulation and and uh time-based effects on the left would be huh yeah well i like to again it depends on what you do because um pedals that i use a lot for example uh the boss dd8 delay i use the actual uh foot switch a lot so i'd like that to be on the bottom so i can easily reach it so i won't have to you know Mm -hmm. step over or anything um but pedals that i could just switch on and leave on like for example a compressor i'll put that on top and leave it there you know, so it does take a little planning, but I mean, once you, once I do it, it, it pretty much stays for a good part of a year until I decide to tear it apart. Plus, I mean, it takes a while to set up a pedal board. It takes a few hours at least. So, you know, I'm not really yeah. in a rush to do it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't blame you. Like mine, mine's probably been excuse me, mostly set up for a year, you know, um, I'll get a new drive pedal and, you know, say, okay, this is medium gain. I'm going to take my medium gain pedal off of here and, and flop that one in its place. But I haven't, you know, going and fully doing it is, is just, yeah, kind of a headache sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's also a reason why it takes, um, a pedal has to be great. I would have to be completely in love with the pedal before I redo my board. I have about 50 or 60 pedals that are not on my board, uh, that I just take out every once in a while to, you know, play around with. But for example, the, uh, MXR poly blue, I just recently got it a few months ago. Uh, if you're not familiar with the pedal, it's a, an octave up, a single octave up, a dual, a double octave up. Um, and then a single octave down and two octaves down 
and they could all be turned on simultaneously. And oh, wow. on top of that, there's a phaser, and on top of that, there's a fuzz. So it's it's a lot in one package, and I love that pedal. So I think it was about a month ago, I completely tore apart my, my whole board and had to redo everything. I think it took me about six hours to do, uh, you know, because I was wow. moving things around. What happens if this is before the drive or after the drive, you know? So it's mm-hmm. not just... Comp- it's not just it, it's well also the pedal is its own thing so i kind of had to find its place on the board so right. that took some time as well um have you have you tried the expression pedal with that i haven't i want to but i don't have actually maybe i'll pick one up today um i don't have a good expression pedal i have this cheapy expression pedal that the sweep is pretty bad on so okay. maybe I'll pick one up. Yeah, I heard that it can do whammy sounds as well. So I'd be curious to see how that sounds. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, especially yeah, if you're hitting that hitting that octave up, you start doing that Morello thing, and all of a sudden you're a DJ on a guitar. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that pedal it looks cool as heck, man. And it's real. If you're into that stuff, it's a really cool and useful pedal. And sitting at only uh, two hundred bucks new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. I'm going to have to uh, – I've been wanting to get an octave because uh, I've got I've got a couple fuzzes that have an octave function on them, mm-hmm. but I want to have it by itself. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been well, a if while. You want an octave, one. If you want one by itself – I'd probably recommend the Whammy or or maybe the its little brother the the Ricochet. You know, it's a smaller footprint and does the octave thing pretty well and it tracks pretty well as well. Yeah, I haven't tried the the Ricochet. Um, I own a Whammy Wah that I'm actually uh, I need to find the power cable because it's been out of commission for a while and uh, somebody just gave me their uh, way to essentially troubleshoot it before I either you know, get rid of it completely or send it off to somebody to get fixed. So, uh, I've got to try that. Cause yeah, I ha- I used to have a lot of fun with that, with that whammy. Yeah. Uh, especially, I don't know. Well, I don't know how the ricochet works, but with the, uh, with the whammy, wah, um, you had different sets so I can go, you know, the one octave up, one octave down two. there was some other, some other there's weird fifths, there's there. fifths, yeah, there's sevenths, yeah. You know, playing playing just the the swooping octave up, like on uh, the like a stone solo, is is one thing. But yeah, when you start getting into the fifths, the sevenths, like you're almost having to relearn how to play guitar because you're just like, okay, like I only have to hit one note now. <laughs> yep. Um, well, actually, the ricochet kind of works the same. It does have the ramping. Uh, so so the foot switch itself, as you hold it down. You can either it could be an on and off switch, or it can uh, do the ramping thing, and you could set how fast okay. you want it to ramp or how slow you want it to ramp. The only thing is that once you set it, it kind of you know you're not going to stop in the middle of a song to adjust it. That's where the whammy right. shines, where the ricochet doesn't. So the whammy you kind of you you can go as slow or as fast as you want with your foot, whereas the ricochet you set and you. It's it's kind of set. It's it's there, so yeah. you know that ramp is what you have to work with. 
Yeah. So like you, you brought up like yeah. a stone and, and that's actually a perfect example. Cause on that, you know, whammy part that he does, he ramps uh-huh. differently throughout, throughout that whole part. So if you want to mimic that, you're not going to be able to do it properly with a ricochet where as a whammy you do perfectly. Yeah, and that seems like the way I'd have to go. If my if I can't get that whammy wah set back up, I'm I'm going to have to get the uh the actual whammy with the treadle. Yeah. So, what do you think is the most underrated effect that that is out there? Not necessarily um a specific model or anything, but just like a style of effect that people don't use enough. Well, I was going to say boost, but lately people have been recognizing uh, the uh, the things that a boost can do. And it's not only pushing into your amp, right? Yeah, a boost is used to push into your amp and to kind of take your amp to that next level. But I like using a boost to push into a drive and, and yes. kind of, you know, and, and a lot of people don't do that. They kind of, you know put the boost towards the end into the amp, you know, right before the modulation towards the end into the, uh, into the amp and use it that way. I don't rely on my amp for, for anything. I rely on my pedal board. And um, recently I got um, the J rocket IQ compressor. Um, And I use that, it's it's kind of a three in one. So um, it has an EQ on it, a six band EQ. It has a compressor on it, and it has the level knob, which I use as a boost. So I put the compressor with the compression all the way down, pretty much off, and boost it up when I want to boost into my drives. So I put the compressor right before my drives. It's kind of weird to put a compressor before your drive because your drives are compressing the sound anyway. So I don't use the compressor part, but I do use the boost part. And I use yeah. the the EQ to shape whatever I need to shape. Generally speaking, I'm pretty happy with the way my guitars sound uh, into my drive. So I don't really use the EQ a lot. But when I put like a Les Paul, for example, um, I would I would then shape it to the sound I actually want. I'm not really a, much of a Les Paul guy. Yeah, I don't have any uh, any Les Pauls myself. Uh, one day, one day I will just just so that I have that flavor. But uh, yeah, you know, actually, I was in uh, I was in Sam Ash a couple of days ago. You know, because I have the whole week off and I'm not doing anything. I got to find things to do, and um, and I went to Sam Ash, and I picked up this. Uh, well, I can't remember the name of the company. Um, it's one of their branded guitars. You know, it wasn't a lot. It was like 400 and something dollars or maybe $500. And it was a Les Paul. And I, I found myself really missing that Les Paul sound. It may be, there may be one in the future for me. I don't know. Yeah, I need uh, I need to figure out exactly what I want. Because, like, I like the sound of the, uh, the humbuckered Les Pauls. But um, the P90s sound great too. But then it's like I also want to get an SG and P90s and SG sound awesome. So I just yeah having a hard time deciding on on what to do. And you know then of course it's the uh, saving up the money so I don't piss off the wife. <laughs> yeah, I had I had a '60s tribute SG. Uh, I bought when it first came out, and I hated it. 
hated it so much. I bought it on uh, online. I think it was Sweetwater I bought it from. And I bought it. I played it. At first, you know, you, there was the honeymoon stage or whatever. And then I realized that I hate SGs. I can't stand them. So. Oh, that's that's funny. Yeah. Um, see, I uh, I played a handful of SGs over the years. I, uh, I had a 79. And, uh, you know, I, I like the way it sounded. You know, the, um, the one thing that I don't like about them is the way they're neck heavy and you let it go and it wants to dip on you. Yep. But, you know, other than that, like the, uh, the form of it, the thinness, like I just, I you see, like that's it. what I don't like about it. The neck was just, just felt unnatural to me. It kind of reminded me of those Ibanez, you know, the ultra thin Ibanez necks. Yeah. Like on the RGs. Yeah. Like yeah. the RGs. Yeah. And you know what? I don't, I don't like those, uh, those necks on the Ibanez, I can't, I can't get comfortable on them. Plus, they're, I think they're also um, a little wider than the standard, let's say, Strat neck. I think they're a little, a little, yeah, bit wider. I could be wrong. No, I, I, I think you're right, or at least that's the way that it feels to my hand. I've, I've never done an actual measurement on it, but yeah, like when, uh, when I started playing in bands and stuff in the late '90s. I was playing a Strat copy and pretty much everyone else around me because of new metal was playing Ibanez's. So like, I just, for the most part, couldn't, couldn't get comfortable on them. You know, like, um, I like the artist. The artist yeah. is a great neck. Uh, my, the acoustic I own right now is, uh, is an Ibanez and, and that's great. But yeah, once you get to that, that like paper thin thing. And it's funny, that's somewhat how my, uh, how the neck is on my seven string. You know, it's really a thin, thin neck. So uh, nothing I can, nothing I can do about it other than get a different one or build it. You know, there's, there's a, there's an Ibanez S, uh, you know, the S body, uh, with the mm-hmm. two knobs. Um, so yeah. I think that body is just the nicest body I've ever seen in my life, but I can't stand the neck. I have I have one upstairs I bought. I bought it, you know, on, on Craigslist or whatever. It was like 50 bucks I bought it for. And it's sat in the case since I bought it. Yeah, but I can't use it. I can't stand the neck. It's just there. Yeah. the Ibanez. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Ibanez is nice. They they know what they're doing and they have a purpose, you know, that, that metal sound. But I just, I can't get behind it. Well, see, then... Uh... Flip it, flip it for uh, seventy five bucks, and then find yourself something else. <laughs> nah, I was thinking maybe I'll refinish it. Um, actually, before I started refinishing uh, pedals, I was actually just refinishing guitars for fun. Um, I started with my own stuff, and then I got um, addicted and started buying a bunch of guitars on Craigslist. You know, like cheapy fifty, seventy five dollar guitars, whatever. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean. That's that's what really where where the refinishing and the painting started before Gear Ant. Were you doing just like standard paint jobs on those, or, or were you doing anything like kind of off the wall, like so dipping them in hydrofilm or anything? Yeah. So because because it was for me, and this is how I kind of do my business. This is how everything in Gear Ant works. I do what I like, and if I want to try something weird, I'm going to try something weird. 
It's not really about making the sale. If somebody likes it, great. You know, I, I had pedals that were sitting here for a year because it was completely off the wall. And, you know, it's not really everybody's thing. Um, so I actually, my first refinish was my 1994 Yamaha Pacifica. It was my first guitar. I still have it. And I wanted to make it look like it was found on a beach, right? Like kind of like a driftwood, a driftwood type of look. So, and this, this was my, I didn't know what I was doing. I know how to paint a wall at that point. I didn't know anything else. Uh, So it was, it was a learning experience. It took me, I think two months to learn how to properly do it. And, you know, I, I actually did learn and I put the time into it. So I, I redid the neck uh, I changed all the parts, the knot, everything like that. Uh, I actually didn't change the pickups, which I want to do. But uh, I'll send you a picture of it. it. It's actually pretty spot on with with uh, what I was going for. So did you just, like, learn yourself trial and error? Or did you go to... Um... Did you go to YouTube and watch watch some videos on, hey, you want to try this, you want to do that? Or how, how'd you end up getting in actually doing it? Well, I had to learn how to whitewash. So that was – I went to YouTube first uh, to figure that out. Okay. And then after that – at first, I actually made the mistake. I started staining it with like a white stain, and it didn't come out as planned, so I had to sand the whole thing back and uh, and start over. But I had to learn how to whitewash. I had to learn how to kind of age the knobs and do all that kind of stuff. So it was it was a lot of trial and error, especially with the knobs. I think I spent maybe a week and a half just on the knobs because I wanted to make it look really aged. So I, you know, I, I at one point <laughs> I took the knobs. They were uh, white knobs originally. And I took the knobs and I okay. put them in a cup of coffee for a week and it washed right out. It didn't work, oh. not not in the slightest. So yeah, it was a learning experience. It was fun though, lots of fun. I may do another one. Yeah, and that's fun. And you know, I like the way you said, like you know, you you'd go to Craigslist or Marketplace or whatever, and you know, just pick up fifty dollar guitars because you know that's the stuff that you need to learn on because you you know you don't want to end up screwing up some you know even three hundred dollar guitar, five hundred dollar guitar. Yeah. Like, hey, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Let me. Uh, <laughs> Let me do it to this 59 Les Paul. <laughs> exactly. Oh, gosh. See, but now, so you started doing that. You know, I see now you've got, on, or at least on your site, you've got some some knobs that you do with, mm-hmm. it looks like you got the crackle knobs, you got the uh, leaf knobs and cherry blossoms. So was that just something that, that you started doing because of doing the uh, – custom designs on the pedals just to match that or well yes and no um i actually my son came up with that idea i um i wanted to say thank you to a particular customer who was you know a return customer and he he's a he's a diy guy he's in the scene or whatever and he maybe placed maybe 10 orders on uh custom enclosures for me i just wanted to do something nice so i was talking to my son my son has all these uh you know crazy ideas He's 14. And, um, and he said, you know what, maybe make matching knobs for this uh, enclosure. I'm like, well, you know what, that's an amazing idea. And I started, you know, messing around and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work and how long things last. Like, for example, uh, certain paints, 
the knobs don't take well over time over a matter of a year they'll just start chipping i kind of had to do all those tests but it was it was mainly because i just wanted to thank a customer oh that's cool yeah and that that's the nice thing about you know about being a smaller business is you know you look out for people like that oh yeah don't get me wrong i mean my customers are are really important to me and it's not because they give me money it's because it's because they give me ideas you know like i mentioned earlier it's it it's a whole collaboration with the refinishes it's it's what keeps things interesting for me if it weren't for my customers i'd get bored i can't come up with with all this stuff on my own i'm actually doing a i have a boss uh oc2 over here that i just got a couple of days ago that the customer wants it to look like uh, a Polaroid. So I don't know how I'm going to do that. I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but yeah, but it's going to be interesting. That's for yeah. sure. Like yeah, uh, he wants, he, he wants it to look like one of those old Polaroid cameras. Ah, you'll figure it out. I know I will with his help. I will. Um, <laughs> so um, I got your message. I'm looking at, I'm looking at your uh, Yamaha right now. And yeah, that's, yeah. That's a really cool paint job, I, and looks like you added a kill switch in there. Uh, I did, yeah, I did. Okay, because I told you I was in, into raging as a machine. I actually yeah. messed that kill switch up. It, it, I have to fix that. Um, there was like some weird popping on the deactivation, so I gotta, okay. I gotta either ground it or put some sort of uh, pull down resistor or something. But yeah, looking at, it, I mean. It does look, it looks worn and, you know, um, up around the, the upper horn, it, uh, it goes a little more brown, you know, yep. like, like it's just been sitting out there and aging. Yeah. I like that. I, I'm, uh, I'll share that to the group after I post this episode here. Yeah. And the pick guard, um, I, I couldn't figure out if I wanted the pick guard to be aged on the edges, you know, like how some pick guards are made to look aged and they like kind of yellow around the edges. Um, mm -hmm. And one day I just came up with the idea to take some really coarse um, steel wool and just go to town on the pick guard. And, and, and eventually it turned into sandpaper instead of steel wool. And then what I did was I took uh, black shoe polish and I rubbed it on uh, the pickguard and then just cleaned it off, you know, and it just kept the black scratches throughout and then I sealed it. Yeah, that is, that's cool looking. And, um, you know, I know you said that you want to change out the pickups, but I think, you know, if you were able to do the same thing to the, to the pickup covers, that would, you know, even add more to the aesthetic. Um, if anything, I would probably whitewash the pickup covers just to break kind of the pick guard look so it won't be too okay. matchy. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I don't know. Um, I have these, um, these Duncans that have been sitting in my drawer. I think they were 59s. I think I'm going to use those and they're zebra. So I may not do anything to it. Yeah. It's I don't know. Yeah. Nice in there too. Yeah. Maybe. Do you, do you have a favorite fuzz? Probably. The I, I've recently started getting into fuzzes, uh, maybe like seven, eight months ago. Uh, the first one that I got into was actually the way huge Havelina, which is a take on a tone bender. And I guess that's pretty much the first 
um, of everyone's fuzz, a, a sort of tone bender, because it's not as in your face as the rest of them are. And then slowly and gradually, I started getting into kind of nastier ones. Um, my favorite would probably have to be the Mask Audio Electronics No. Alec from Mask Audio, he's he's a madman when it comes to fuzzes, and his stuff is just so useful. Uh, close second would be the Spun Loud Effects Shuxin uh, Shuxin uh, Fuzz, sorry, or Shuskin. It's uh, it's based, it's called after, it's named after a mountain um, in Washington. I think it was Shuskin or Shuxin, one of the two. But those two are really amazing and super useful. I am working on my own fuzz as well, so I think I shared that with you, the uh, the fuzz that I'm working on. My personal favorite that I've ever owned is the is the Marshall Super Fuzz. It's um, based off of uh, Mark II Tone Bender. I used to have yep. one from the uh, the late '60s and ended up needing to pay some bills and sold it, and now they're going for like three times the price. So probably not getting a, getting an original anytime soon. I actually have a pretty killer uh Mark II tone bender here by um by Spruce Effects. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with them, but uh it it is it is oh. pretty spot on to the Mark II. Um yeah. Is it the, So yeah, so I'm, is it just their is it just their tone bender GE in germanium? Uh no, it's actually or... uh it, he he did an etch series, which is um, I don't think they're available anymore. But uh, he he had uh, I think a few of them, and I got one. I got lucky. I got one on a trade, and it's it's pretty it's pretty great. I'll loan it to you if you'd like. Oh, it is sold out, but yeah, I see it here. I like that he he's done in that whole thing. Like he's got the the Chenet. Foxy Lady Fuzz, mm-hmm. Range Master. He used to do he used yeah, to do point cool. to point, uh, not point to point, um, turret board um, as his okay. builds, and uh, I think just recently he went to actual PCBs to speed up the process for himself. Uh, it sounds exactly the same, you know. It's just preference, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and there, I mean. That could be a whole a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there there are there are there are those purists uh, out there that say, "Oh, uh, surface mount is not the same as through hole." Guys, I'm gonna get close to the mic and tell you, it's exactly the same. If not, if anything, surface mount is more accurate. So yeah, I could see that. So since uh, we're getting near the end here, do you have anything that you need to uh, plug? Maybe, you know, give give a shout out to, to your mom or something? Well, I mean, my yellow jackets are available on my site. I just built another batch um, and they're, you know, available at gearant.com or uh, find me on Instagram at gear underscore ant. I'm also coming out with two more pedals uh, in the near future. One is a fuzz, uh, of course, and the next one is kind of a weird one. It's um, it's like a robot voiced pedal. It's not for everyone, but like I said, I do things for myself. So if you're weird like me, you'd like this. 
Yeah, uh, I heard it yesterday, and it's fun. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not something that uh, I'm going to use on every song in my album. Not that I have an album, but um, it's it's definitely fun to take out every once in a while and just have some fun with. And uh, it is really useful uh, for, for certain effects. So, you know, I've been working on that for... Uh, two months now. I think it. I think it's gonna be ready in about two months. I already did the artwork, and I I made the enclosure and the the knobs. Everything is picked out. So it's just a matter of me uh, putting the final touches on the on the circuit and then uh, ordering some boards. Right on. Well, uh, thanks for having or well, thanks for getting with me this morning. I know it was a little short notice. Um, and yeah, fun. You, you, you know, and have have fun going out and play, playing guitars. Don't don't forget to uh, don't forget to pick up that expression pedal. And uh, for Elad Mazrahi, this is John. This has been staging a podcast. You have a good day. <laughs>